Holiday tips and wine stories from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. The custom of bumping glasses with a cheers greeting came from old Rome. When in Rome, cheers. Satisfy Auntie Alice's sweet tooth with a pairing of port and bourbon pecan pie. And just maybe, you won't get another ugly sweater this year. For me, nothing beats recommending a great wine. And with such an extensive selection, I can now find a perfect wine in your budget. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine and More. Cheers. Motorcycle Madhouse, presented by Insane Throttle Biker News, hosted by none other than everyone's favorite online personality, the thorn in every Leo side. Oh my god, this girl's really turning me on. James Hollywood Machikari. everybody doing? I'm James Hollywood Machikari and welcome to this edition of Motorcycle Madhouse. We have breaking news right now. It seems like the jury down in San Antonio has just reached a unanimous verdict. After two days of deliberation, eight men and four women returned a unanimous verdict against former Banditos National President Jeffrey Faye Pike, 62, of Conroe and ex-president or ex-vice president uh, John Portillo, 58, of San Antonio on all counts that they faced, which was in the 13-count uh, indictment. The crimes included racketeering, conspiracy, murder, extortion, and drug dealing and or abating and uh, abetting in crimes. Some involved uh, killings of rival bikers by other uh, bandito members. So, just like I was talking about yesterday in one of the articles that I did, uh, the feds have a 97% conviction rate, so when you're going up against the feds, you better have it all together. You know what? A lot of times, you can have all the money in the world, you're going to be a Bill Gates, and still won't be able to beat them, because they got nothing but time and money. Time and money, something that we uh, usually don't have. But, uh, yeah, that's the breaking news, and that is the verdict that just came out with uh, the Pike and Portillo trial that we are uh, covering all this time. So, right now, they're probably, uh, with those kind of crimes, they're probably facing life in prison, and uh, hopefully they can get something uh, done on appeals. But with that breaking news, uh, let's go into our first segment, and... We're going to, you know, mix it up here on the Madhouse a little bit. We're going to go into some independent biker stuff. We're also going to be talking about the three-year anniversary of Waco, as well as some stuff that's going on over at Insane Throttle, some changes we're going to be making and all that good stuff. But the first topic I wanted to talk about is what the hell has happened to Harley-Davidson? You know, there's stories coming out recently. The company no longer wants to allow reporters into the shareholder meetings. What does Harley-Davidson have to hide other than their sales numbers have hit rock bottom? You know, here's the reason why, Harley-Davidson, that your sales have hit rock bottom. A person has to take out a second mortgage to buy your product. 
You got away from your core base of customers. You know, now before all you go around and bitch and complain that Harley's core base is 70-year-old men with one foot in the grave, that's not what I'm talking about because, you know, I get a lot of that over on YouTube about when I talk about the core base of things. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the core base Harley-Davidson used to enjoy was blue-collar workers. You know, the ones that are the steel workers, coal miners, factory workers, and the list can go on and on. You know, people who go to work every day, pay their bills, and then they want to go out and enjoy a ride in the wind. The core base, Harley, is not your weekend warriors who go through, you know, throw on a suit and make six figures a year. That can you know, that kind of uh, pandering you have been done to those type of people since the mid-90s. And guess what? It's finally made it full circle and started biting you in the ass. Harley-Davidson, you know, has learned those with money to throw around really don't have that much loyalty. You want some proof? Just look at the used bike market right now. Why go out and take out a second mortgage on a new ride when you could go get something with hardly any miles on it for next to nothing? And here's another kick in the ass for Harley-Davidson. It actually serves them right for trying to build their brand off the outlaw image. The younger generation isn't into the outlaw image. They're not. The closest these snowflakes want to get to the outlaw image is on their Xboxes playing Grand Theft Auto. That's the closest they want to get to that type of image. And it's time to, you know what, face it Harley, you blew it marketing-wise to the next generation of bikers. You really did. Not only did you try and market off an image, one by the way, you love living off but don't want to be associated with. And I can give you an example of that right now you have a museum up there with a list of clubs that were from around the area but you excluded the outlaws motorcycle clubs and one of your even one of your employees who's a councilman and cuddy voted against the motorcycle club getting an occupancy permit so you want to live off that outlaw image but you don't want to back them when they need you you know, clubs aside, the marketing campaign that you've led with this younger generation to even consider a Harley-Davidson, you screwed up because right now the younger generation thinks a Harley-Davidson's an old man's bike. All I can say is, to the marketing department and to your corporate office, good job, Mr. Wizards. Good job. Way to market your stuff. And by the way, and this goes out to everybody. Can you actually blame the younger generation for thinking a Harley Davidson's an old man's bike? Again, they charge an arm, arm and a leg. And this generation equates the pricing to those bikes to only older people being able to afford it. Let's give you an example here. Take Insane Throttle's audience. And this, was, this, this is really going to kick everybody in the nuts. Our average demographic is 45 to 55 years old. 
we barely even make a dent in the 18 to 25 demographic. Why? Because Insane Throttle is associated with the outlaw and Harley biker segment of the scene. Insane Throttle is, you know, no Harley Davidson, by the way. We're an online rag and news service, so the demographic we have is great for us. But for a motorcycle company, that demographic is a killer. You know, there's only so many bikes that can be sold to a 45 and 55 year old, you know, man or woman. The company's going to have to start bringing in some new blood if it's going to be viable in the future. For Harley to bring in that new blood, 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 blood <laughs> sorry there, Mike just fell off of me. It's going to have to find a way to lower the prices and they're going to have to come up with a product that appeals to the demographic that can give them a shot in the arm. The problem Harley is facing right now with the younger generation is astronomical. It really is. Other companies right now, like Honda and Yamaha, Suzuki, they appeal to the younger generation. And you know what? Quite frankly, they got a pretty damn good product. And let's admit, if we were, you know, going, you know, growing up back in those times when they had these rockets, we'd be all over them too. They're fast, and you know what? It's the embodiment of what be a rebel was. So they got the product that's, you know, appealing to this younger generation. And the old way of thinking, you know, the stuff, I have to say, the 30 to 55 generation was raised on. That old saying, you had to have a Harley Davidson to be a part of the biker scene. Well, that's long gone right now. It's all about two wheels and who the hell cares what you ride. Customer loyalty is, you know, well, actually customer loyalty to Harley Davidson, I'm sorry to say, is it's pretty well gone. And personally, I think for a good reason. You know, though I ride a fat boy, I'm going to tell, I'll be honest, it's going to be the last Harley I ever own. You know, and why? Because there's more bikes out there that are better quality for less money. I know, I know, let the hate mails, you know, start flying. <laughs> but mark my words, and you heard it here on Motorcycle Madhouse. Give it five years, and Harley's going to, you know, they're going to start digging under that barrel they're currently at the bottom of if they can't turn this tide. If they don't start turning this tide, it's going to get real, real messed up. And I feel sorry for it because Harleys were the best uh, brand around, but their lackadaisical attitude towards the next generation and towards the working man, they basically are the ones who, you know, dug their own grave right there. But right now, I'm going to take a quick 30-second uh, break, and we when we come back, we're going to be talking about some stuff going on with Insane Throttle in later segments. And uh, we're going to be remembering the Waco tragedy. Today marks the three years since uh, the, that terrible, ter terrible tragedy. Three years and that nightmare still continues to this day right now. And uh, there's a lot of people dealing with stuff right now down there. So we got uh, them in our thoughts and prayers. 
And uh, I'll see you on the other end of this quick 30 second, and uh, we'll get uh, into some other stuff. Hi, this is James Hollywood Mach Carterie, host of Insane Throttles Motorcycle Madhouse and Biker Angle over on YouTube. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that's dedicated to the biker scene, come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at hardlyliberty.com. Or come over to Insane Throttle's newest YouTube channel for Biker Angle, hosted by myself on Sundays, and the boss hosted by Big Pete James on Thursdays. Be there. And how you doing? I'm back. Uh, before I get into the three-year anniversary of Waco, I'd like to address a phone call that I got on the hotline complaining about our coverage of Ryan Erlacher and Lollipop. Uh, I don't think the lady understood that we're not really the safest place to go if you're a Leo supporter. I really don't think she uh, understood that. But let's uh, listen in on this. Uh, you know what? This is the message that all kicked it off. <laughs> Yeah, that was the message that kicked it all off. You know, when I called her back, she tried to lecture me about us making fun of another podcaster. Well, let's just say the conversation didn't go the way that she would, thought it would go. The Madhouse don't apologize to people that cause chaos in the motorcycle community. We don't apologize to people who repeatedly call members of one percenter clubs criminal. We especially Especially don't apologize for calling out a rat and someone who has done nothing but cause strife in the motorcycle community. But here's what I'll do. Here's what I'll do. Here's your apology, Miss Ass Monkey. And here's an apology to all the women I might offend. I'd like to take this time to say something in the name of all the male gender. We apologize for pissing on the side and see the toilet. We know it would be much cleaner and easier just to sit down and whiz. And we know we could just as easily wipe away the side or the seat afterwards. But it's all because of pride. Pride and laziness. Mostly laziness. We pride ourselves of the gift Mother Nature has granted us and the ability to stand up and relieve ourselves, while being too scared to admit that we have the same amount of accuracy as a five-year-old spitting water through the gate between their teeth, and, to be quite frank, we're too fucking lazy to wipe it off half the time. I mean, it's easier to just let it dry until it becomes a faint yellowish-brown stain trailing down from the edge of the bottom of the base where that mysterious blackish-brown stuff begins to form up after years of use or disuse. We'll say we'll do better, but we won't. We'll ignore you and do the same thing in a few hours after you drink a ton of stuff we probably could have went without, but got anyway, because we were really, really thirsty. For this, and many more. We apologize for this and every time afterwards. I mean, we have to piss like, what, at least three or four times a day? That's a whole lot of piss. I think I read something about a human pissing about 10,000 liters of urine in a lifetime? That's a whole lot of fucking piss! Anyway, uh, sorry. About the pee. On the toilet. 
and the floor. And on the side of the cabinet next to the toilet. And on the walls by the toilet. And behind the toilet. And the sink. And the ceiling. Don't ask. We all tried it at least one time in our lives. Some of us made it, actually. The guys would probably make decent porn stars. I never made it yet. That. But anyway, uh... Sorry. I'm about to pee. On the toilet. Everybody out there on the internet highways, this is Good Time Charlie. Check out my morning show on BIC Underground Radio, Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We got a Pacific Standard Time kind of thing going on here. That's BIC Underground Radio. We're 24-7 music all day long. Get our free app. Just type in BIC Radio or Biker Radio and get joining our family because you just gonna love it. You know why? Because it's all about motorcyclism, baby. That's right. B.I.C. Underground Radio and Good Time Charlie. Hey, this is Good Time Charlie. Producer, co-director, and actor in the movie Rebel on the Highway. Rebel on the Highway is a pretty damn cool movie. I kind of look at it as the Blues Brothers on motorcycles. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got a lot of folks in the motorcycle world that are legends and also some legendary blues players. Rebel on the Highway, rebelonthehighway.com. Go there, check it out, get some shirts, soundtracks, movies, everything. Just go to rebelonthehighway.com and tell them Good Time Charlie sent you. Wait a minute. I don't think you can tell them anything. It's a website. But anyway, go there anyway. Rebelonthehighway.com. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Machikari live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central on the Spreaker Radio app and downloads available for all episodes on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and all major platforms. Don't forget to check out the Biker Angle every Thursday and Sunday over on Insane Throttle's YouTube channel. And welcome back to our next segment. In this segment, we're going to be talking about the Waco three year anniversary. And instead of me going on and on, I know I've been uh, dealing with it a lot, but this morning I seen a beautiful article by Tommy Witherspoon of the Waco uh, Tribune. And this article hit every angle there was. And Tommy's been with uh, reporting on this from the very beginning. And this is just something... If you haven't read it already, I like to uh, go over it. And this gives the whole picture wrapped all in a cake so let's uh, go to Tommy's uh, article and it starts out by the evening of May 17th 2015 the bodies of nine dead bikers have been cleared from the parking lot of the Twin Peaks restaurant and the Waco Police Department was working America's deadliest episode of biker violence as a murder case Police worked overtime at the crime scene, processing evidence and collecting guns, knives, brass knuckles, and tomahawk. Some of the weapons stashed in toilets, flower beds, and restaurant kitchen cabinets. And you know what? By seeing the videos, Tommy was dead on with that. That's something 
you know, nobody can deny right there because Tommy, what I like about him, he gives both sides of the story. He's right down the middle and he don't pull no punches. So let's keep on going. Across town at the Waco Convention Center that Sunday evening, more police were taking photos of fingerprints from bikers who had been bussed from the restaurant with their wrists bound in plastic ties. They were supervised by Detective J.R. Price, a 40-year veteran police investigator. Police gathered photos and contact information from the bikers. They had just released a whole busload of bikers, planning to summon them later as witnesses. That was when this district attorney, Abel Reyna, walked in with his assistants and an audacious new game plan. Anyone associated with either rival motorcycle club, the Cossacks, or the Banditos would be arrested as members of criminal street gangs, Reyna said. No more bikers would be released, and as many as 177 arrested that night would spend the next several re weeks jailed on million-dollar bonds. It was a risky legal strategy, one that never was tried before on that type of scale. Throw a wide net around a complicated crime scene and charge everyone involved with engaging in organized criminal activity was basically the legal strategy. The failure of that strategy has become clear three years later, as prosecutors dismiss most of the cases. The district attorney prepares to exit, and 130 bikers line up to sue McClellan County alleging civil rights violations, as they should. The only case that has gone to trial ended in a hung jury and a mistrial in November. Three defendants are now facing murder charges. Reyna, who's 45, did not respond for a request for comments for this story and has declined to speak to the Tribune Herald for a number of years with a few exceptions. Why would he? Because he has everything to hide. And you know what? We got to, you know, appreciate Tommy for out there, you know, getting out there and uh, trying to get the truth from this guy. Bikers in limbo right now. In the last three years, the 192 bikers arrested in the Twin Peaks shootout have lived under a cloud. Some have languished in jail, lost jobs, lost vehicles, or lost spouses. In some cases, ex-wives used their arrests to seek modifications in child support and child custody and or visitation orders. Most were under strict bond conditions that restricted their travel and freedom to associate with friends. This quote from uh, John Wilson, it has cost me my business. John Wilson was a Wake, uh, Waco Cossack member at the time of the shootout whose case was dismissed this month. John goes on to say, I had my name slandered. It has put stress on my marriage. It has been hard on my wife. It has caused her a lot of anxiety and problems she shouldn't have to deal with. You go to bed every night with a cloud hanging over your head, not knowing what the outcome is going to be. I don't know how you put it on a scale and weigh it, but it was pretty heavy. Think about that. Three years, he had to wait to get his trial or his charges dismissed because Abel Reyna, 
had political ambitions. We go on. The Twin Peaks debacle may also have ended a promising political career for Reyna, who defeated a 24-year incumbent in 2011. He will leave office in January after an overwhelming defeat in March in which his opponent accused him of corruption and prosecutorial overreach, which is all true dead on. We've seen that time after time. Since the electoral defeat, Reyna's office has dismissed cases in mass, has reindicted the remaining defendants on a variety of charges, including riot, murder, and tampering with evidence, superseding the original organized crime charges. And one of those charged, Richard Luther, is charged with uh, tampering with evidence. It's funny because both the prosecutors and the defendants have a tape, have video of cops messing with the evidence. But hey, you know, they got a, you know, CYA right now. They got to cover that uh, ass. So they're trying to lay it on Richard. And Amanda Dillon, if you have any, any type of morals, you'd release Richard because you got the evidence right in front of you that these cops were messing with the evidence. You have it right there. So do be a decent human being. Let this guy go. Let his family get on with his life. If you got the video evidence, be an American. You believe in the American justice system? Then release them. The remaining defendants include Jacob Carzile, the Banditos Dallas chapter president who was uh, tried in November. The jury could reach no verdict on charges of engaging in organized criminal activity. Carzile was freed on bond after the mistrial. He's 36 right now and is set for a new trial on September 10th on first-degree felony riot charges. What I find funny about Jake's trial is everybody but one juror voted to let him go. And that juror, juror, before everything started, even admitted ties to the Cossacks. Kind of bias, isn't it? A mistrial should have been uh, declared from the very beginning after that. That's not justice in the United States. That's a fucking fixed trial. Meanwhile, the raft of civil su uh, lawsuits stemming from the Twin Peaks cases leaves the city and county in potential financial jeopardy. Personally, I hope that city and that county's paying out for the next 200 years for what it did to these people. Among the plaintiffs is Wilson, who was president of the six-member Waco Cossacks chapter at the time. The charges against his son, Jacob, were also dismissed earlier this month. Wilson and his son operate the Legend Cycle Stop on Interstate 35. He said it was a young, growing business and they were in the process of moving to a new location when Twin Peaks happened. Since then, there's been a dramatic decrease in business, he said. Everybody listening out there, maybe you guys should uh, give some business to them. Help them build that sucker back up after what happened to these people. You know what, maybe the government uh, should give them a brand new OCC-style freaking uh, 
you know, warehouse or something, you know, six million square feet, because that's about what they owe these guys. You know, he goes on to say, I offer prayers for everybody touched by it from any side of it. He said, it was a terrible thing for anybody involved in to go through. And I just pray that everybody can go on with their lives and be made whole again. And that those who didn't do anything wrong will be fully exonerated. That's a, that, you know what? That's a true scooter tramp right there, man. That really is. You know, Wilson said he and his son were on the patio before the shootout. He stepped outside on the sidewalk and ducked behind a roll of motorcycles when the fight erupted. He goes on to say, I took cover behind those motorcycles. I was standing behind and the fire continued and there were people falling around him. Wilson said, as soon as there was a little slack in the fire, I ran through the gate in the, to the patio and into the main dining room. I was looking out the window when the cops came in. Law enforcement officers visited Wilson at his shop in late March or early April of 2015 to discuss the rift between the Kazakhs and the Banditos. The officers warned him that the Banditos were coming to get him, but at that time, the motorcycle coalition meeting had not been planned at Twin Peaks. They apparently knew the Banditos were coming to Twin Peaks, Wilson said, but they didn't call me before and ask us not to be there or we wouldn't have gone. And I wouldn't have passed the word along to others. And there would probably have been, excuse me, and there probably wouldn't have been anybody there. But that didn't happen. It didn't happen. The cops knew that there was going to be problems. They could have stopped this. Seven of those killed were Kazakhs, one was a bandito, and the ninth was unaffiliated. And then he goes into, uh, next thing he goes into is the conflicting accounts. The span of three years has not brought clear answers to the basic questions of the Twin Peaks shootout. Why did it happen? What did it happen? Why did it happen at a crowded suburban shopping center in Waco? while patrons were enjoying a leisurely Sunday lunch. Why didn't law enforcement officers who arrived ahead of time and set up a surveillance camera in the parking lot alert banditos that there were 100 Kazakhs on the patio area and suggest they not stop there? Why didn't they ask the Kazakhs to move along to avoid personal conflict? This happens everywhere in the country, but I guess not Waco. When the cops know that there's something that go down, go down, they stop it. But again, not in Waco. Prosecutors said during the Carzile trial that the dispute between the biker groups stemmed from a beef over territory and the Kazakhs' right to wear the word Texas on a bottom rocker patch on their vest. Banditos claim Texas is their territory, and the groups must seek their permission to wear the Texas rocker, prosecutors and state witnesses said. The Kazakhs, a smaller group that started in East Texas, reportedly claim Waco as their town, prosecutors said. Carzal and other defense witnesses disputed the notion that anyone has to seek permission from the Banditos leadership to wear the Texas rocker or ride in Texas saying the Banditos are moving away from their past reputation as an outlaw biker gang. Defense attorneys in the Twin Peaks cases agree that Reyna's office overstepped its bounds, 
no shit, in calling for the mass arrest and indicting of 155 bikers on identical charges before conducting an investigation to determine who was responsible for it. Fort Worth attorney Brian Buford represented George Salinas, a decorated Marine combat vet from Bell County, whose Twin Peak case has now been dismissed. Bufford said the only other comparison he can make to the Twin Peaks case is the 20 or 2006 sexual assault and kidnapping case involving three Duke University lacrosse team members. Forum Durham, Durham County, North Carolina District Attorney Michael Nafong was disbarred for ethical violations in the case and jailed briefly for contempt of court while the players were exonerated. He goes on to say the Twin Peaks case is like a corrupt politician. Look at the, just look at the, uh, the Duke lacrosse case, he said. Hold my beer. I think I can outdo Mike Nafong in a horrible human being with the government authority department, Buford said. It is three years later and they are just now presumably charging things appropriately. And only because we pushed back and because Reina lost the election, that's why all this is starting to happen. And you guys got to thank yourself, especially uh, Texas Biker Radio, All for One, Paula Swan, uh, and the many others out there that are bringing notice to this issue. It, you know, if it wasn't for you guys bonding together down there in Waco, Raina probably still be in there. But you guys beat the odds and you did it by a 20 point routing. You just whooped on this boy. You know, and Brufute said he thinks Raina was truly blinded by political ambition and thoughts the case would make him a rising star in the state of GOP. I think Raina would still have this thing going for eight years if he hadn't lost that election, Brufeard said. And you're damn right it would have. If he didn't get beat by, you know, all the people that banded together as bikers, as, you know what, as American citizens, this would still keep, you know, this still would go on and on and on. Dismissals accelerate. Raina did not start dismissing the Twin Peaks cases until defense attorneys pushed to get him on the witness stand to testify about his involvement and how the cases evolved. They alleged Raina crossed the line between prosecutor and police officer. And let's say, you know what, he did that night. They have said Raina should have been disqualified for that action alone and because the civil lawsuits give him a financial interest in seeing the bikers go to prison. The attorneys also wanted to call Raina's past and current assistants who have made a variety of accusations against him and sworn affidavits. Among those accusations are that he dismissed criminal cases for his friends and his campaign donors. Well, we know how that works in Chicago. That happens all the time. But damn, you guys down in Texas take the case. Was under investigation by the FBI and was de delivered cocaine by a client of a local attorney who was present when he told his story to the FBI. 
Rainey even went to the unusual step of trying to recuse Judge Ralph Strother on the morning of a hearing at which Raina had been subpoenaed. After Raina received a letter last year from the U.S. Attorney in San Antonio saying that some of the evidence compiled by federal prosecutors in the trial of two top bandito leaders, which at the uh, beginning of the program we told you were just found guilty on all 13 counts, may be relevant to the Twin Peaks case. Raina asked for additional delays until the federal prosecutors share their information with his office. After Let's see here. The U.S. attorneys said they would not share the information until after the trial in San Antonio, which is only now coming to a close after almost three months. As you know, about an hour ago, the guilty verdict came down. Reyna's attorney in the civil suit also argued that a stay in civil proceedings should remain until after federal authorities share the information with Reyna's office. Dallas attorney Don Tittle, who represents about 100 of the 130 bikers who have filed civil lawsuits, questioned the tactic. Sounds like a Chicago one to me. In approximately two months, the judge will determine whether it is appropriate to lift the stay, Tittle said. At the last hearing on Reyna's behalf, his counsel made a statement in open court that information was crucial to these cases. But then... They go and dismiss more than 100 of the cases without even receiving anything from San Antonio. So it turns out they never needed that information. It had nothing to do with their reasons for the postponement. During the Carlisle trial, defense attorney Casey Gautreaux, who I call the pit bull, rightly so, she's a beast, man. She knows what she's doing on that courtroom routinely asked for delays in the proceedings by accusing the state trial team, of which Raina was a part of, of withholding evidence she was entitled to. Late in the trial, she offered a secretly recorded conversation she had with Assistant Attorney General Christopher Lindsay, who served as the legal liaison between the Department of Public Safety and local prosecutors. Lindsay told Gotro on the recording that Reyna's office was not assuming the responsibilities. When it comes to Twin Peaks discovery and that the office was double dealing and hiding things. Really? Lindsay said a Texas Ranger involved in the investigation told Lindsay that he and Reyna got into a bit of an argument because the Ranger thought certain items were subject to discovery and Reyna, who disagreed, told him to hang on to the evidence. That sounds like Chicago. At the end of our conversation, I told him, you need to stop talking to Abel. You need to stop talking to former prosecutor Michael Jarrett. They are not on our side. Lindsay said on the recording, you can't trust your own local prosecutor. Not in this case. Nope, not even a bit. Wow. Lindsay told Gotro that soon after he was assigned to the Carzile case, it became immediately apparent that her accusation that Raina was withholding evidence was true. Abel is going to start pointing the finger at my guys, Lindsay said of the Rangers and DPS officials involved in this investigation. 
we know full well, and I don't want to be in a situation that when this craters, and it will, we get caught in the blast zone. Get caught in the blast zone. So, Reyna, with his political career, could not survive the three years worth of attacks from Twin Peaks lawyers and a mistrial in the Twin Peaks case he personally chose to try first. To make matters worse, he was scolded by a visiting judge the day before the primary election for using the images of then-indicted bikers in his campaign advertising. Reyna was defeated by Republican challenger Barry Johnson 60% to 40%. Way to go, guys down there. Guys and gals, you whooped his ass. The 155 indicted cases dumped at once into the criminal justice system put a strain on the court and operations of the county resources. No shit. Judge Matt Johnson and Judge Ralph Struther, the county's two felony court judges, tried to deal with the Twin Peaks cases while maintaining the regular dockets. I can't comment on specific pending cases, but I will say generally, the Twin Peaks saga has been the most unusual experience I've had in 20 years on the bench. This was coming from Struthers. Johnson declined to comment because he still has 14 pending Twin Peaks cases in his court. Struthers has 10. Yet last week after Struthers signed dismissals for 42 bikers, he said, I was very happy to sign those dismissals. Waco police officials, including Chief Ryan Holt and Sergeant W. Patrick Swannon, who became well-known in the aftermath of the shootout for his regular briefings to the media, referred questions about the Twin Peaks anniversary to the city legal department. But they'll be out there right after it happened, out there, you know, telling all lies and stuff like that. Hey, by the way, what happened with, uh, you know, you got one that's charged with murder... And it came from a cop's bullet. That's been everywhere. You know, how is that even possible? But hey, this is the Waco PD. We're talking about them. You know, they got a long history in Waco of being ass monkeys. Not only Twin Peaks, but they also got, you know, the, what's it called? That David Koresh shit in 93. So Waco, not so good. I wouldn't go down there. I'd stay away from that town. Waco City Attorney Jeff, Jennifer Ritchie also declined comment because the city and past and current city employees are defendants in federal civil rights lawsuits pending in Austin. She said the city will defend itself in court, not in the media. But hey, ain't that funny? Now all of a sudden you want to defend yourself in court, but you wouldn't give those uh, bikers the chance, would you? With all the leaks and all the videos that were leaked using the campaign commercials. Yeah, karma's a bitch. Tittle thinks the mass dismissal of Twin Peaks cases prove what he and others have said all along. The officers should have invested the case, investigated the cases before rushing into arresting indictments. That's what usually happens in a normal, you know, criminal trial. This is America. This ain't Russia, North Korea, you know, Cuba or anything. I know you younger generation want it to be, 
You know, you love that fascist shit. You love that socialism stuff. But this is America. So you have to have, you know, an investigation before you start indictments. They took no time in assessing these from an individual standpoint. And all of a sudden, they spend a few minutes per individual case, and they realize how completely uninvolved the vast majority of these individuals really were, Tittle said. Well, of course, you can see them running in the videos. Tittle said that while there has been an awful lot of attention on the wrongdoing of Mr. Reyna, let's not forget the police chief, Brent Stroman. Joined arms with Reyna from day one, has claimed equal responsibility for making the decision for the mass arrest. Go figure. He goes on to say, I suspect that from the city standpoint, that is going to be a critical error in judgment, Tittle said. He claimed in a very unconvincing manner that it was his call. But the paperwork generated that day's investigation makes it very clear that Reyna was driving the bus. You imagine that motherfucker with one of them hats on, man? Anyway. But at the end of the day, Stroman linked arms with Reyna. More like sucked him off. He said it at the time, and he has sworn to, to it since. And there has to be ramifications for this. Agreed. Dallas attorney Clint Broden jumped to the forefront initially with aggressive motions seeking a speedy trial from one of his clients, Matthew Clendon. A special prosecutor dismissed his case, saying there was not probable cause to arrest him. This has been an absolute debacle, Broden said, and everyone around the world can see it. I have never seen anything like this in my life. I have never seen a case where they wind up dismissing 90% of the indictments they filed. This is unprecedented in the annals of jurisprudence. It all started with a bang and ended up in a whimper. But in the overall scheme of things, it should serve as an object lesson to prosecutors and law enforcement officers everywhere. Damn right everywhere. But you know what? It's funny. They haven't learned a damn thing, these cops. Just the other day in Sonoma, we all seen the video of them blatantly going around taking license plates. And he even admitted he was profiling. Even admitted it. Then we had the Cuddy situation. The cops are never going to learn. Never. But Tommy's article ends with the bikers that were killed at Twin Peaks. And those are Daniel Raymond Boyette, 44, of Waco with the Cossacks. Wayne Lee Campbell, 43, of Fort Worth. He's with the Cossacks. Richard Matthew Jordan, the second, 31, of Pasadena Cossacks. Richard Vincent Kirshner Jr., 47, of Wiley. He was with the Cossacks. Jacob Lynn Rhine, 39, of Ranger. He was with Cossacks. 
Jesus Delgado Rodriguez, 65, a new broth fellas. He was an independent, a great man from what everybody's saying. Manuel Isaac Rodriguez, 40, of Allen. He was with the Banditos. Charles Rain Russell, 46, Tyler Kazakhs. Matthew Mark Smith, 27, a Keller. Injured at Tween Peaks was James Anderson. He wasn't arrested, but he died September 3rd of 2015. Roy Colby arrested, indicted November 10th of 2015. These are the ones who were injured. Jeff Beatty arrested, indicted November 10th, 2015. Corey Ledbetter Arrested, indicted, November 2015. Owen Reeves, arrested, indicted, November 10th, 2015. Reynolds, Reynolds Weathers, arrested, indicted, November 10th, 2015. Ronald Warren, arrested, indicted, November 10th, 2015. Marcus Pilkick. Sorry, man, I'm going to kill your name here. Pilkington. Arrested. Indicted. November 10th, 2015. David Martinez. Arrested. Indicted. November 10th, 2015. Paul Miller. Arrested. Indicted. Under seal. November 10th, 2015. Cliff Pierce. Arrested. Indicted. Under seal. November 10th, 2015. Philip White, arrested, indicted, under seal, November 10th, 2015. Ray Nelson, arrested, indicted, under seal, November 10th, 2015. Jeff Villain, arrested, indicted, under seal, November 10th, 2015. Christopher Carzile, arrested, indicted, under seal, November 10th, 2015. Jerry Pearson, arrested, indicted, under the seal, November 10th, 2015. Richard Lockhart, arrested, indicted, under seal, March 23rd, 2016. Now, Luna, arrested, indicted, under seal, March 23rd, 2016. Stephen Dudley, arrested, indicted, under seal, March 23rd, 2016. William Richardson, not arrested, Travis Bowe not arrested, Nicholas Carter not arrested, and Robert Ortiz not arrested. Those were the ones that were injured that day and also the ones that uh, were killed that day. Tommy, you hit this article right on the bat, man. The only thing I would have liked to see was about the ballistics with the police, uh, what's going on, you know, how they... the. Which ones of the nine were killed by police? That would have been great. But uh, we're going to take a good, you know, a couple second break here. And uh, I'll see you in the next segment. But keep those, uh, keep those that are in Waco going through this tragedy in your thoughts and prayers. And also, you know, the nine that lost their lives that day. Take a minute of uh, silence.
I saw it in the paper. Yes. Yeah, well, you still need a drive or what? Well, did you set up to catch with us, Jacob? Pardon me? Huh? Speak up there. What did you say? No, 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 no. I, look, I saw the ad in the paper and I'm calling you, fruitcake. I'm, I'm looking for a job driving a truck. We're looking for movers. Yeah, well, that's what I do. What class driver's license do you have? I got five, one, two, three, four. I got them all. You class one? Yeah, oh, I drive buses, trucks. I'll back a truck through the fucking uh, two-family two house garage. One of those big two-ton trucks. When was the last time you drove a truck or trailer? Oh, jeez, what the fuck? I'd say about two weeks ago, I, I robbed one down in Jersey, and I drove it up here to New York. Fucking flying. Drove it through the tolls, no stopping, no nothing. I'm good. Uh, I see. Why don't you call, uh, call back on Monday? Hey, I'll tell you what. I come in, I'll take you for a test spin. How's that? We go out and we take the truck around the fucking block. I speed, I pop wheelies, I'm good, baby. Call back on Monday, Lanto. All right, can I get you? I want you. You sound good. You and me, we make a team. You drive with me. All right? What's your name again? Jake. Jake, who did you work for, Jake? Oh, uh, geez, I worked for Moish. I worked for uh, Mayflower. You what? know? Oh, yeah. Don't sh hey, I was good with them, too. You worked with Moish's? Yeah, that's right. When? Uh, about, what, two years ago? See, what I got a problem there, they, they get fucking scared when I pop the wheelies and all that shit. You know, I pop a lot of wheelies. I'm good with that shit. You know, I don't break no merchandise either. I get it there two hours ahead of time, all the time. What do you say? If you pop any wheelies here, I'm not even gonna put in the uh, Listen to me, I don't break nothing, sizzle chest. I'm good. Okay, call Monday, we'll uh, set up an interview. Okay? Alright, I'll do that there, Rubberneck. I'll call you Monday. Okay. Alright, Fruitcake, see you later. Motorcycle Madhouse with James Hollywood Machikari live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central on the Spreaker Radio app and downloads available for all episodes on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and all major platforms. Don't forget to check out Biker Angle every Thursday and Sunday over on Insane Throttle's YouTube channel. That article from Tommy Witherspoon is what true journalism is supposed to be about. Right down the middle, let the facts speak for themselves. Tommy was with this story from the start of everything that went down that day. And you know what? Much love goes out to him for being a fair reporter, giving the story from both sides of the, you know, the spectrum. And uh, thanks a lot for that, Tommy. That was awesome reporting right there. Now, in the last segment, I'm going to go... I'm going to be giving everyone a quick overview of what's going on over at Insane Throttle. We got new and exciting stuff happening right now. Insane Throttle has grown by leaps and bounds. Originally dedicated to editorials and news on the club scene, we've decided to expand. Insane Throttle will be broken down into two parts. The first one, of course, will remain true to its original content. With, you know, Insane Throttle will continue to be the place where we cover the club scene as well as more controversial issues, as they say. Uh, with that, we know some in the biker community want something more than just club news. They want subjects that relate to the independent biker. So Insane Throttle decided to start up the biker life on Facebook. So those who want independent biker news can get it. Insane Throttle wants to be the place for all biker news and not just focus on club-related issues like a lot of the other biker news sites do. 
we want to, you know, we're going to diversify a little bit and we're going to be diversifying our programming as well. Uh, for those who watch Big Pete on Thursdays, he's going to be doing his weekly questions and answering answers on Thursdays over at uh, his Better School group. As you know, the Better School is a great group where people can go and get advice and their questions answered on everything biker. If you have not joined Better School, I really encourage you and recur, you know, I encourage everyone to go over and join the group and to continue to watch Big Pete live over there on his platform. You know, Better School, I think, is the only group on the internet that has ex-club members, current club members, all that type of stuff that are willing to go out there and answer anybody's questions and bring, you know, a better understanding to what it is being a biker. So if you guys can go over there and support them, you know, it'd be much appreciated. You know, the better school, I think had like 1200 members this morning. So we got to get that up for big Pete to like 60, 70,000 or something like that. So when the numbers get uh, bigger and you can, you can, you know, that group's going to really make a bigger dent in the future. As everyone knows, Insane Throttle prides itself with being down the middle. This is how Insane Throttle was built and what it's recognized for. We believe it to be the cornerstone of our foundation. Insane Throttle will not get involved in any club politics. For Insane Throttle to stay neutral and not seem to be taken one side or another... We are currently, like I said, it's been posted on Facebook. We're retooling all our sites to reflect those values. We are taking the stance that Insane Throttle reports on the news and will not be a part of it. Trust me, I've been getting the emails, the texts, all that crap. If anyone has questions or seeking advice, again, we encourage you to go to the clubs themselves. Or go over to Better School and they might be able to help you out with what you're seeking when you you know you need an answer on club issues. When I talk about clubs, it's in a news-related format. I'm an independent, and quite frankly, have given answers to those asking questions about clubs that contact me. They either should join a riding club, biker rights organization, or stay independent. I believe that it helps out the motorcycle club community. And I believe it helps out uh, the people seeking to become a part of clubs that might not know what they're getting into. Some other changes will be our website. We are currently working with a great web developer to get everything centralized. Each one of the programs that Insane Throttle offers will have its own social media platform so people can go see upcoming subjects, you know, the episodes that we're going to be doing, and you know what, make suggestions for the content. Being more exclusive to the whole biker community is our ultimate goal. Insane Throttle does not want to be known by just a portion of the biker community. There is so much more about being a biker and being involved in the biker community that is fantastic. And we want to cover it as a whole to give our audience a well-rounded idea of what's going on out there so they can make informed decisions. Over on Insane Throttle's YouTube channel, Biker Angle will be doing two episodes a week, starting next Thursday at 8 and Sundays at 8. We also have some surprise guests that will be posting material to YouTube as well. Again, just like our print media, our media, 
our programming will undergo a revamp as well. So be on the lookout for positive changes coming to the Insane Throttle Biker News. You know what? And an affiliate now of Insane Throttle Productions. And I think everybody's really going to enjoy the new format. You know, we'll still have our, uh, like I said, Insane Throttle was our core over at uh, there. But the new biker life, we're going to get into events, uh, get into all cool kind of interviews, uh, go out there on the street, hit the street, cover events, cover uh, the bar scene, cover rallies and stuff that is, you know, was really fun about being a biker. So if anybody has uh, any questions, just, you know what, email me at james at insanethrottlebikernews.com and I'll try to answer your question. Or you can go on the Ask FM app. Uh, I'm over there too as well. So if you got any questions about the new format, concerns, any of that stuff, just let me know and uh, we'll get the team together and start working on it. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of Insane Throttles Motorcycle Madhouse and Biker Angle on YouTube. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that's dedicated to the biker scene, come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HardlyLiberty.com. Or come over to Insane Throttle's newest YouTube channel for Biker Angle, hosted by myself on Sundays and the boss hosted by Big Pete James on Thursdays. Be there. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today on Motorcycle Madhouse. Next week, the Madhouse is going to avail its new format, and we think everyone's really going to enjoy it and get a kick out of it. Until next week, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel and get your daily dose of the biker news over at Insane Throttle at HarleyLiberty.com. And thanks for joining us on the Motorcycle Madhouse today. It was a great live show. Hope you guys had fun. Don't forget to go over and subscribe to YouTube where the boss and the biker angles always over there right on clockwork every Sunday and Thursday. And don't forget the Thursday night Facebook lies with Big Pete, the author of The Last Chicago Boss. And head over on to the Instagram page for Insane Throttle Biker News and you'll see the baby of the day, bike of the day, and the tattoo of the day. So with that, I am out of here, fellas. Introducing the amazing iPhone XS you'll love on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. It's the perfect way to stay connected to those you heart most. Fall in love with iPhone XS on T-Mobile. And right now, trade in an eligible iPhone and you'll save $300. Visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE. If you cancel service, remaining balance is due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. $279.99 down plus $30 per month times 24. Full price $999.99. 0% APR for well-qualified buyers plus tax on full price. Allow eight weeks for rebate. Holiday tips and wine stories from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. There are 10,000 wine grape varietals worldwide. Here's to thousands and thousands of gift possibilities. Chardonnay paired with lobster mashed potatoes? Simply delicious. I know just the right $10 bottle for your white elephant party. 
The Most Stolen Gift Award is yours guaranteed. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine & More. Cheers! 